Welcome. Hopefully everybody's nice and warm tonight on this cold, wintry, wet day. All parties are innocent till proven guilty in a court of law. This is for entertainment purposes only. Welcome, everybody. Hello there, Gary. Hello, Lord Catherine. LB, nice to see you. It's been a while. Hello, Anna. Here's my phone. Let's see here. Everybody's starting to stack in. Karen, Jean. So, Lala and Bob, how are y'all doing? Very good. Very good. How are you? Wonderful. Welcome, Lorna. Eric Thompson. So, tonight, 
is part two, and we are talking about Kathleen Heisey, right? Yep. Very tragic case, if if you remember. Now, I'll, I'll say this, ladies and gentlemen. If, if you did not tune in to part one, uh, just kind of be prepared, because I do not know what's going to be spoken tonight. It may be kind of graphic, so just kind of be prepared for that. Hey, Tammy Johnson, welcome. So we'll start out on this case with this information. They have solved an unsolved case from 1980 from Kentucky today. Uh, it was a remains found on the Ohio River back from 1980. Wow. The remains were found in two different locations, and they thought they had two different bodies. Now, we know that they use Ancestry and the other DNA uh, companies out there to check your Ancestry, right? So they actually tracked down who the victim was by family members. So now it's an active murder investigation. So kudos to the police department. Uh, 1980. Wow. 44-year-old case. Wow. So very interesting. But at least now the, the, the male will get a proper burial. So and return to family members. So that's very interesting. So does it happen? Yes, it does happen. So keep that in mind. Hey, Missy Hammer. Welcome. So Kathleen is a very tragic case. Uh, I, I didn't talk to anybody with people with abilities about the case. Uh, a couple people did reach out and said it was very disturbing uh, what they got on it, which I can understand, especially, Bob, what we showed on the air. <clears throat> yes. So it, it's very sad. And unfortunately, things like this do happen. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in the world that's not covered and brought to light. So, well, I guess we'll start with Lala. Go ahead, Lala. Okay. Um, this was, you know, I, I kind of feel like whoever did this might be passed away. And I didn't really get that when I was doing the reading. But as I thought about it, because I literally started smiling during this about the gruesome parts, I would smile and go, you can see me and I say B word or do you want do you want me to stop B word? It was weird. So right. I was picking on it, dude. It was weird. And um, so whoever did it enjoyed doing this. They have done it. If they didn't do it before, they did it again afterwards. Um and the words amen kept coming up. The bad person kept saying amen. So I don't know what that was about, but um, I got the words teacher, um, tease. So like teasing someone, you know. Okay. Um, skin rope, which... I, I don't understand what that means, but she kept saying skin rope. Like R-O-P-E? Yeah. Interesting. And so she'd show her sitting down 
and she could see what was going on, but she couldn't move. I, I believe she was almost dead or dying, but she could still see. And he kept, she, one of her eyes was almost white and then skin was peeled. And then he kept hitting her stomach and laughing. And, um, um, the word staged and placement, the word boat and dock, um, inside out, he, he kept saying inside out and laughing. And then he would say, uh, you can watch, you can, he wanted her to watch whatever he was doing to her. Wow. Um, I feel like her whole body was damaged, but he, you know, the word Buffalo, the image of Buffalo Bill from that one movie kept showing up in my head. Okay. Hannibal. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 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 Silence of the Lambs. Right. I, I feel like someone, whoever did this, he knew someone, like he, he must have, went home with blood on them and that person saw and didn't do anything. Um, I feel like the victim was somewhat dominant at times. And sometimes she would say things and not think how it would, how it could kind of backfire on her. Cause she wasn't thinking like a psychopath, you know what I mean? Um, it, it was just, there's a lot to it. But this person keeps saying she brought it on herself. I don't see anybody breaking in anywhere. They're in a home, but I don't see any breaking in. So maybe they were supposed to meet up. I don't know. So, so. Everything's going to make sense here in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Next up, Angela. Thank you. Welcome, Angela. I keep getting impressions as we speak. So, I'm very strong impressions. As the first thing uh, that happened starting last night, I started to dream about this case. So, uh, she was showing me a house, and it was dark. It was night. It was quiet. Like, nobody around heard what was going on. It wasn't a break-in. It wasn't something that was that he forced his way into the home. This was something that was done... Uh, without neighbors knowing uh, she kept saying I kept seeing male white male I kept seeing the image of a hammer and I kept seeing checkbook she kept showing me a checkbook over and over and she kept saying repeating to me check the account check the account check the account repeating it over and over again uh, she see this person this male was very controlling a, he had the perception that she had more money than she did and that he wanted that for himself and she kept saying this person kept borrowing money from her he was always setting her up for money um, and was very controlling but she said I had everything together I know how to handle my own affairs and I kept seeing as like a, a vehicle like a sedan involved I, and I kept seeing 
diamonds. Like she was showing something like she, a necklace that she had um, that she kept in a vault somewhere on a safe. And she's she's saying that um, he was saying that he wanted or he wanted to completely destroy her. Like she, like he felt like she owed him a lot. Like she owed him money or owed him allegiance or owed him like he like she was property to him, and he wanted to just obliterate her. I, I I got there was a few runes that came up, and I got Althala, so she stood up to him at times. Um, and when it came to her personal affairs, he didn't like that at all. I got yes that she's crossed over. That this person was very controlling, manipulative, and and that's really and I saw it got like she was like this was unexpected, like this was sudden, like a sudden violent attack, like one moment peaceful, then all of a sudden went from zero to a hundred violent, and I I kept getting a sense of constantly beating, 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 um, and he wanted to beat her till she ceased to exist it was what i was getting but it was all she keeps repeating to me check the account check the account so i don't know if he got something of hers like a checkbook and was trying to pass off checks at some point i'm not sure but she keeps showing me a checkbook and she said check the account check the account this this person it was it was more about there was a connection to money with this person this person was mentally um, off and felt very possessive of her. All right. Thank you. Stand by. Next up, Kelly Joe. Hi. Hello. With, with this one, I kept seeing all kinds of blood and I hear, help me, I'm in trouble. She knew the person and there's two people involved. I'm seeing two, two different size shoes. I don't know if that has anything to do with the gates or not. One's a smaller man's shoe and then a bigger man's shoe. And a red-headed string beanie kid with green eyes, six foot four. And the other kid is brown hair, brown eyed, and like five, six. But they're showing me two different size man shoes, like a, a size, what, six man shoe, a little shoe, and then a big shoe like an 11 interesting and uh and but the the crime scene was horrific i just see blood everywhere and that's what i got all right all right thank you stand by next up welcome ladies and gentlemen we got a new addition here his name is christopher welcome hi hello everybody how are you doing christopher fantastic nice to have you thank you thank you i'm glad to be here absolutely so how'd you do on this case? Uh, with this, it was really, because uh, I, I can feel people's emotions. I can feel, and I can even see visions, and sometimes they even speak to me. She kept saying that she that she, that she should have got out of this sooner. It had it had a lot to do with money, but she also thought that things were turned around. And then that, um, I keep seeing where he was like, like, get, like grabbing her head and like speaking, like hollering at her, like, like you didn't do your part correctly. And she kept saying like, don't, don't, but like, kept seeing where he was just beating her profusively and and it was horrific because 
the whole thing because she lived her normal childhood but then as she when this all started with him and her she thought it would she thought she could turn things around that things would be okay but with the money issues and the fact that she cares she didn't get out of this situation sooner when that big fight and brawl came I mean, he, he just pretty much lost it and then was it was going to force her to see things his way and he beating the heck out of her and it, it's terrible to look <clears throat> to even think think about because I, I can see the the blood and I can see her just screaming and cry, crying for feasibly her, her clothes were ripped and, and it's <clears throat> and I, very, I was, very graphic wasn't it I was literally in tears when I was doing this. I mean, when I, when I do some of these, I can feel their emotions, and it, I had to get up, and walk away. I couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. But it, yeah, yeah, it's uh. So in, in a minute here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the tables will turn, and these people's abilities are going to see what they have not seen and try to understand what happened. Christopher, thank you. Stand by. We'll bring you right back. Next up, Cap. Yikes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, this one's a little tricky for moi. I've got two situations. Um, I started from the beginning with a photo, as I do. Um, didn't watch any of the shows or anything like that. So I started from scratch um, to try and see what had happened. Um, but... I've got two situations going on at, with this one. Uh, one situation at work and another situation that possibly occurred. So it's pretty out there. Um, I'm sorry, like I have the same stomach right now that is really hurting. Um, anyway, I shall read what I have. It's totally different. <laughs> Okay, so I've got this. The female has been located. She's deceased. A crime was committed. There seems to be complicity. Upper world beings were involved, assisted with deliberate care by unseen forces. The female is a person from the USA. There are no immediate countries involved, other countries. <laughs> I've got more than 30 perps involved. I've got the law wants answers and are favourable to the victim. There are no law members involved in the disappearance. The victim is not alive. She's departed Earth spiritually. She wanted to be found. She was taken against her will, forced and threatened. She was uplifted. The body's been located, identified, cause of death not truthfully recorded. The perpetrators are upper world based, not Earth based. The victim was taken to another planet. I've got a name there, the possible name. She's currently bodily on Earth. She's not been uplifted before. The media are presently involved. The family are assisting. They have sincere intentions. Um, I feel she's been missing for a long time, unsolved for over three years minimum. The victim is female, 30 to 40, blonde hair colored, blue eyes and black pupils. White skinned, five to five, six tall. She's clothed at the time, wears jewelry on the neck, hands and ears. The injuries sustained were multiple all over the body. The body appears to have been crushed and ripped. Sorry, I won't go on there. There was a receiver, a transmitter and a tracking device involved. Camera footage, data stored. It's been located. 
there was a vehicle involved, but it's an air-based vehicle. Um, feel she was abducted with prior intent. The perps have an appetite for death. They're serial killers, psychopaths. She was imprisoned. I've got the perps. This is where I get a double link. The perps were connected to work associates that are involved in OT and CT. WS were also involved around her. Strong influence. The perps are connected to a larger group, international. There are... I, she knew something she shouldn't have. There was an affair in the office of some type and there was a lot of money involved. Uh, the injuries appear to be connected to the vehicle that she was in. She appears to have been, like I said, crushed and shredded. Uh, I've got she was found northeast of the last sighting, 0 to 10 Ks. She was alive during the transport up. No double movement regarding transport. She remained alive for three to four days, Earth days. She was guarded by many guards. They had surveillance and weapons. The perps are not located on Earth. She appears to be located at the, can't say, above ground public area. And then I've got a big what's the connection with work associates, money and the affair. Um, I feel this, in, the, the way this planned out with all the questions and answers and everything, um, it felt like it was kind of accidental in a way that I found this other connection. It didn't seem to be the main connection at first. Um, uh, I've got the access was easy. It was planned. She was watched, stalked. There was footage taken. The opportunity came via family and work associates. There's a money trail and officials in appropriate positions with that money trail. The motive to the perps was orders, paid job, they're threatened, serial killers, psychopaths. Um, there's a possibility that some of the perps are dual citizens. Um, the perpetrators all look the same. They had bald heads. Their eyes, I couldn't get a constant eye colour. Their eye colour kept changing all the time. Um, so I couldn't get a constant eye colour. They had large black pupils, slit pupils and changing pupils. They, their eyes kept changing all the time. It was real. I couldn't watch it for long because there were so many of them. Um, they're larger than six foot. They don't have what we call skin. There's a different word for whatever coats them. Um, they're upper world beings. The aircraft was blue, black, grey and silver. The perps were in full control. No feelings of regret or guilt. They were mentally stable. It was planned. It was a job. Um, no one saw the abduction. There's no footage on earth. The perps did not remain here. They will act again, unfortunately. So I'm sorry, mine's totally out there. So what are so somebody asked, what are you reading from? Me? Yes. I have a pro forma that I've created. It's taken a year to create. Um, it's more like a forensics report. I go through, ask a whole heap of questions. And then I have a summary at the end. All right. But for each case, different things have to be added or 
like the pro forma is evolving all the time because there's so many different things like you know we're not just dealing with straight people anymore you know we've got our ais we've got upstairs we've got animals um so it's the pro forma has changed rapidly in a year to be able to incorporate the gray areas that aren't usually discussed okay somebody was just asking and i just wanted to clarify that for him yep so sorry mine's totally different Okay. And I hope I haven't offended anyone. Well, thank you. Stand by. Now, the next one, ladies and gentlemen, Melinda, unfortunately, is working. But she did submit a video. So, in action, ladies and gentlemen, make sure I hit the audio on this. Hi, everybody. Again, I am recording. Um, this was a very interesting case. Um, the only thing that was given to us was a picture. And let me uh, show that now so I can show you everything that was give, give to us. Um, so this is the picture that was given to us. So... Um, all right, so now I'm going to get started. Um, okay, so that was the only information we were given. Uh, we were advised that the body had been recovered and they were looking for the identity of the suspect or suspects and why the crime was committed. So um, the first thing I did, like I always do on any of my cases, um, I asked, where did this happen? Um, I got the letter C. So then I looked at the states uh, that start with C, which was California, Colorado, and Connecticut. So then I asked with my uh, pendulum over each state, you know, California, Colorado, Connecticut. I've done all three of them. It hit on California. So, and it was a very strong hit. So then what I do from there is I pull up the uh, maps and I start dousing. Uh, the map of California. So I'm going to bring that up right now so I can go ahead and show those. And uh, so you guys will see a little bit of, um, let's see here. Okay, this is the first one. So let me get this so I can share. Oh my goodness. I'll have to just bring it back up. Okay. Show. So this is what... Um, what I got first, and it was a hit on California. So I doused the whole state. All right. And so that that's, I highlighted to let myself know that it was a hit. Okay. Now the next one that I get, let's see here. Yes. Okay. I've got three different maps, guys. This was a very, very, um, hard case for me. Um, and I'll explain why as we get into it, but I wanted to show um, the next one. So here, here's the area that I doused. 
And when, like I said, I douse the whole entire state and where I start getting strong hits, I put a box around them. So this is the area that I got. Um, so I do feel that this occurred in this area and the person that is responsible, which I thought was a male, is he lives in this area or he did live in the area. Okay, then my final map, I, I like to go in the steps that I, I do my work to show here. Now, this one is my final map. i got to pull it up so I can try to share. Here we go. Okay. So, then once I do the second map where I close in on it, uh, then this is where, um, in this box here, the crime was committed inside of this box and the person that committed it lives inside of this box. And that's what I, why I put on the top, this box represents where the murder happened in the home of the killer. Because I do feel it was a one person thing. Uh, okay. So now let me go into what I got. Uh, so then I asked about the crime scene. I was shown inside of a home and it was just a horrible sight. Um, it was like, it was personal, like it was overkill. Um, I do feel she did know him because when I asked if she knew him, I got a yes. Um, and then what was weird, I was shown like a school. And, uh, so I felt maybe, he worked at a school or she, they worked together in, in some form. Um, then I was shown an argument between the two and a dis or a disagreement. And, and it was like, she kept showing me papers, papers, something to do with papers. And there was an argument over this, over this paperwork. Um, I do feel that she was very fearful for her life after this, because I feel like the argument led her to be scared. Um, so I feel like, you know, whoever this person is, um, she had worked with him before. Um, let's see. There was, I hope it's okay to be this graphic, but there was a lot of blood. Um, and it was like this person that done this was very angered. He, he was just so angered over something. Um, I did ask if it was a robbery. And I got, no, it was not. Um. And, and I do feel that she was assaulted, and I mean, like physically, sexually, and in every way. Um, I was shown the living room area, and there was this couch, but then it was like, then I seen her feet. And so it was almost like uh, it was she was being drugged down the kitchen area or the hallway because I seen the feet, and it was just like the feet were being shown to show me she was drugged. Um, I do feel that she was stabbed and I feel like it was like in the chest area, but I feel like it was a lot deeper than that. And I, I don't want to go into too much detail of what I got because it was really, really bad when I was doing it. I had to stop. I've worked on this for four or five days now in a row, um, uh, because it was so graphic and, um, but there was something, um, about, it was such a deep cut. Um, and it was like the whole entire chest, uh, was just ripped apart. Um, I did see something about a gun, uh, but I feel like it was her gun possibly. 
but there was something, I don't know. I was trying to get what it was, what they were trying to show me, but it was like so hideous that I just said, okay, I, I don't want to see that. But it has something to do with a gun. Not that she was shot with it. No, I feel this was more of a stabbing. Um, then I was asked, then I was, I asked her to be shown the person who did this to her. And I was immediately shown an older male with graying hair. He has a beard and a mustache. And then she showed me the school again. So I felt like she worked with him, maybe at a school. Um, and then I heard, I was afraid. He threatened, he threatened me. Uh, then it was instant. She showed me what he looked like. So let me pull up the sketch. This ought and to be interesting. I feel like he, he, this is what he looked like um, at the time. Because I do feel that this is sort of maybe old, an old case. Okay, so that is what I got. I feel this is what he looked very similar to this. He did have some graying in his hair. And, um, but, but this is the composite that I got that I was shown. Um, so I'll leave that there for a second, but, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, he was very enraged at her, very enraged. Okay. So, all right. Um, then I, you know, I want to say that I feel like she was a very good person. She loved children. Um, with her showing me the school over and over, I felt like maybe she's a teacher or something to that nature. Um, I, I do feel that, you know, she she had some secrets, and we all do. Um, so, you know, it's nothing to do with her murder, though. Um, I do feel this happened many years ago. Um, I did ask for a date, and what I was shown was fireworks. So I took that as the month of July. And then I asked, well, can you give me a day or a year? And and then I heard the same as your daughter's. Uh-oh. Is that it? Or did she freeze? Or did I freeze? Sorry. You're not what happened? I was just thrown out. <laughs> um, but again, um, that, that's what I got, and uh, I do want to show one other thing. I done an astrology chart on this case. First time ever doing astrology chart as far as going and showing it to people. I have been working on astrology for quite some time, and I'm incorporating that into uh, looking for missing persons or um, murdered cases. So I would like to show that right now, and... Uh, that might give a little bit more insight. Um, okay, so this is the chart that I used. Uh, there's a lot going on in the chart. Um, but the main thing that I think was very important is that I feel like the perp was a male. Um, he's possibly a Leo. His sign could be a Leo. It could be, um, I got more of a Leo, but it it was on the 
mark of um, between a Cancer and a Leo. Uh, so I do feel, you know, it was the sun is connected to this uh, in, in the chart. And so this is letting me know that this male was older than 25 to 30 years um, when, you know, when this happened. Um, so, but yeah, um, I'm going to go more in detail as I go. As I said, I'm, I'm really learning a lot about the astrology and I have a great teacher. So um, anyway. So this is uh, hopefully will help in some way. So let me get rid of that. So, okay, guys. So that's everything I got. Um, like I said, it was a very horrendous case. Uh, I want to say uh, prayers to the family. Uh, again, I feel like this happened some time ago. As I said, it, it, I was kept being shown, you know, when my daughter was born. So that was in 1998. Uh, but no matter how long it's been, um, the family is still there. They loved her. And um, I want to say condolences to them. And even though I feel that for some reason, I keep feeling like the case may never be completely resolved, so to speak. Um but again, I want to reiterate, she did know him. I feel she worked with him. There was some kind of argument or disagreement, something to do with papers. And I feel that um, he was just enraged at her. Um, but anyway, that's everything I got. And thank you, Grizz and everyone for uh, allowing me to do the videos. I really wish, guys, I could be live. I so miss it, but I'm at work. Uh, but anyway, much love to all of you and until next time. All right. Wow. So now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get down to the facts of the case. And if I can find the other video, which I cannot stand by here, I think when open up hers, it closed the other. Let me see here. Uh, because this is where everything should be tied together and answer some of the questions that actually worked on the case. So let me pull the video back up. I do apologize about that. And here we go. Let me spool it. Unmute it. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Nice lady. She lives alone. 18 years ago. She uh, is the victim of a homicide. A sadistic murder. This was the most hideous, sickening crime scene that, that I'd ever seen. She died as a result of multiple stab wounds. This was a particularly vicious homicide. A police investigation that seems as mysterious as the crime. She basically had told me that she's afraid that this person would come and kill her in the middle of the night. A brother and sister's 18-year search for their mother's killer. They looked at all sorts of avenues. In my opinion, they wasted so much time. That was the first huge, huge moment. It should have been solved a decade and a half ago. Tonight, a better understanding of what happened inside this Bakersfield home almost two decades ago. A special edition of July, 17 News. Who killed Kathleen Heisey? Now, here's Olivia Lavoie. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to examine the grisly murder of a Bakersfield woman that remains unsolved, a neglected cold case. 
a homicide that deserves a fresh look. Our goal, get the case back on the front burner for a brother and sister searching for justice. It's safe to say this murder was horrific and meant by the killer to send a message. We warn you now, what we found will be disturbing to some viewers. In our effort to shed new light on this case, we uncovered new details and raised enough questions to reignite the long dormant police investigation. Seven months ago, I made my first phone call, submitted my first request for documents, and began a series of interviews with one question, a question that deserves an answer. Who killed Kathleen Heisey? Kathleen Heisey was born and raised in Bakersfield, fourth generation Kern County, daughter of popular city councilman Walt Heisey. Heisey was a prominent name as she grew up in Kern County, but friends say that didn't matter much to the rambunctious little girl. I knew her all my life, literally. Our grandmothers were very close friends. She and I became extremely close friends in high school. There was uh, four of us gals. Kathleen had dreams that most young women wouldn't dare chase. She was a character. She was extremely adventurous. So adventurous. There's stories of her running away and joining the circus. I think she was 19 or 20 when she did that. That is a true story. Rather than entertain children under the big top, her true calling was helping youth through mentorship and education, eventually climbing to the rank of principal at Browning Road Elementary School in McFarland. She never lost her youthful joy. And everybody just loved her. She just smile, happiness, very Pollyanna, everything's going to be wonderful, it's all going to be good, um, no matter what was going on, it was going to be great. It was extremely brutal. It was, it's the most brutal crime scene that I've ever witnessed. 17 News was there July 1st, 1998, shortly after Kathleen Heisey's body was discovered. Many residents of this neighborhood described the area as a safe and quiet one. We're all just in shock. We're a neighborhood that watches out for each other. Yeah, I know. This can be really hard for children. All of our neighbors here are pretty close. There was overkill. Of course, those things uh, sit with you uh, because they're, they're definitely out of the ordinary. It was uh, uh, something that sticks in one's memory. Early in the murder investigation, the basic questions, questions that should have answers, went without. We don't know if she may have invited this person in, the person knew her. A twice-divorced mother of two, Kathleen left behind then 21-year-old Tim and 25-year-old Lisa, children who grew up realizing a horrific crime would be their mother's legacy. Uh, any death like this, it's, it's very uh, traumatic, you know, and it's, it's very uh, upsetting, you know, when you work a death like this. As the Bakersfield police investigation moved forward at a sluggish pace, Kathleen's children held on to the good memories, knowing their mother touched the lives of many. A great advocate of the kids. She, she loved them. Today tells me I look like her, and I couldn't hear it enough right now. A lot is taken away from the amazing life that she had. In these last couple days, I've gone through her things and gotten pictures of her from her childhood and all the way up until recently. It shows how important someone is to a community when you see how many people take the time to leave their work 
and, and go show up to your funeral and pay their respects. The principal with a heart of gold. She just had a way with those kids. The unlikely target for murder. He was a suspect right out of the gate. Who killed Kathleen Heisey? She was stabbed to death, and she was stabbed to death so many times that it was quite clear it wasn't just a simple murder. This was a, a lot of pent-up rage. But knowing that the police department is hopefully really giving it really, I want to say, last effort because they're going to get it, that would be amazing to know that they're doing that. Who killed Kathleen Heisey? From a distinguished Kern County family to her friends, Kathleen Heisey was the personification of happiness. When the bubbly principal failed to show up to a school meeting, her friend Lynn Runyon stopped by Kathleen's South Bakersfield home to check on her. There's absolutely no words. That part is uh, very difficult for me. I was in um, therapy for seven and a half years after she passed away. Kathleen was uh, murdered with a, uh, with a large knife. July 1st, 1998, Kevin Legg was the Bakersfield police detective assigned to Kathleen's murder investigation. The case still haunts him. And it wasn't a poking type of stab wound. It was like an overhand into the upper torso and then a slash down till you hit a bone and then you go right or you go left, which is indicative of, an, of a knife fighter. There was also no forced entry. The front door locked, the back door opened, no valuables were taken. It's the way the killer left Kathleen. She had made a comment, according to her friend Lynn, who had found the body, um, that uh, she wasn't afraid of anything because she had weapons in her home. Her body was sexually violated with two guns, her own guns. Leg adds her killer wanted to send a group message. A sign that I'm not afraid of you or your weapons. Surprised, taken aback as, at what I had, had seen, the way the body was displayed. And in that regard, uh, I think it just required us to take a little more attention to detail than normal. Greg Laskowski was also there that day. He was headed the Kern County Crime Lab. Along with other investigators, he spent 15 hours combing the crime scene for clues. Overkill and a, a, a deliberate attempt at display. I've seen that, but not in the extent that uh, that was uh, observed in this case. Leg and Laskowski performed different tasks during the Kathleen Heisey murder investigation. The collection of evidence, interviews with witnesses, led them independently to the same conclusion. Kathleen Heisey knew her killer. In this instance, there was overkill, which indicated to me that it was personal and that she knew the killer. What it basically told me, this, this murder, and that's exactly what it is, was personal, extremely personal. Whoever murdered her knew that she had weapons and had purposely removed those weapons and imposed them along Kathleen's body that was posed at the foot of the bed. Although Kathleen's guns were deliberately positioned with her body, they weren't used to commit the crime. In a strange premeditated act, Legs says the killer brought their own murder weapons to the home, knives. 
and didn't leave them behind. That was troubling because of the crime scene. The person brought their own tools with them to commit the murder. The murder was committed, and then there was afterthought as to what to do at the crime scene. Whoever had murdered her, they knew what they were doing. A special edition of 17 News. Who killed Kathleen Heisey? The slow-moving Bakersfield police investigation does little to comfort a brother and sister seeking closure in their mother's murder. Family and friends believe the case has been mishandled since 1998. Extremely frustrating. I've met with six sets of detectives, and every time I ask them, like, hey, how are we doing on this case? And, of course, they're going to tell the son of a victim, like, hey, we're putting everything we can into this case. We really want to get this solved. And there's not a lot of incentive for them to get this solved. And, and so that's the frustrating part to me. I'm not sure law enforcement handled everything as they should have. For so many of us, we just feel it should have been taken care of many, many years ago. I do hate referring to her as a case because um, to me, no, she's not a case that hasn't been solved. I'm sure there's, there's people out there who we haven't talked to. As many investigators do, Kevin Legg first looked at Kathleen's romantic life, people closest to her. Twice divorced, one ex-husband was deceased, the other remarried living out of state. He was quickly ruled out. Kathleen was seeing a man at the time of her death, a man she met at an educator's conference, Bob Taylor. I was kind of surprised at the beginning to find out that he was married, but again, it had been something that she had had this relationship for a while. Kathleen didn't share this relationship with many, although close friends say she had recently given Taylor an ultimatum. I think because it had been going on for a while, it was a thing that she wanted to move on from. Two of Taylor's ex-wives told me Bakersfield Police been married as Kathleen's answer to the dots to Taylor. He had left, never talked to his ex-wife, and no one can tell us what his alibi was or if he was ever ruled out as a suspect. She and his most recent ex-wife both confirm he's suffering from dementia and memory loss, unable to go on camera for this story. Although Bakersfield police have sealed the murder investigation report, saying the release of any information might hurt their 18-year-long investigation, they did send me a tantalizing cover sheet when denying my public records request. It was really just an index with no new information, except there was a case number I'd never seen. It led to Charles Shannon, a name I'd never heard. That led to a court case which revealed Shannon's middle name, Curran, another prominent Bakersfield name, and the maiden name of Kathleen's mother. Shannon was Kathleen's cousin, a man with a rap sheet including false imprisonment, attempted rape, and failure to register as a sex offender. How was he related to the Kathleen Heisey murder case? Well, his arrest records show Shannon moved from South Dakota back to Bakersfield in the last week of June 1998, the week Kathleen was killed, only to return to his mother's home in Glenville on the 2nd of July, a day after Kathleen's body was discovered. A tip from an informant sent Detective Kevin Legg to Glenville to arrest Shannon for the failure to register. Shannon's sister claims an angry neighbor falsely accused her brother to get him arrested. He was sentenced for a year for not registering as a sex offender. He now lives in Mexico. We reached out to Shannon, but he did not respond. And I was just mm, amazed, like, on day two after I learned about this, that 
the person wasn't apprehended right away. To Kathleen's son, Tim Heisey, it was never a question of who did it. Now a naval officer, Tim was training at a Marine base when he received the news. He had been home with his mother just a week before her death. He says there was someone in his mother's life who terrified her. She was so worried to the point where I went to the neighbors and described the guy that had threatened her before she was killed. Kevin Legg says that someone was close to Kathleen Heisey. Oh, I certainly have a suspect. A counselor at her elementary school. The counselor's name is Lloyd Wakely. An employee work review between the principal well, and the counselor. Essentially based on some past behaviors, some of the things that were said, some of the things that were done. Um, Kathleen felt that this person should not really necessarily continue in his role in his capacity. The committed educator wanted to stand her ground, but she was fearful. What always has remained with me is the words that she said to me a few weeks before it happened. Her fear someone was going to come and kill her, and she was pretty explicit. She told him that she was writing a bad evaluation on him, and when she presented it to him, he, he flipped out and basically said, if, if you submit that, that'll be the last thing you ever do. Several days later, she was stabbed to death in her, in her own home. She paid the ultimate price for uh, turning in the evaluation to, to have Winkley terminated. Uh, my name is Olivia LaVoyce. I'm from 17 News. I'm looking for uh, Lloyd Wakely. I went to the home of the former school counselor, but his wife, Debbie Wakely, insisted we talk about the case in the office of the criminal defense attorney they hired the week after the murder. The police showed up at our house. The next day, I think it was, they started questioning Lloyd. And for some reason, they decided to focus on Lloyd. I never heard any other name come up at all. As far as the timeline, we weren't even in town. We were in the Sequoias all day. Debbie provided photos of that trip and a gas receipt that she says supports their alibi. She said her husband provided DNA samples and cooperated with a police lie detector test. As for Lloyd's professional relationship with Kathleen? He respected Kathleen. He, they got along very well. In a strange coincidence, Debbie Wakely says her husband Lloyd also is in a nursing home with dementia, as is Bob Taylor, unable to communicate or care for himself. She insists decades of suspicion is the reason for his failing health. I would not wish anyone to have to live through this, to be dug back up when we've proved our innocence. And obviously our innocence has been proved because the police wouldn't take it to trial. It's absolutely unfathomable to those citizens. It's speaking, but I found the former school counselor wasn't always law by the manager at Northwest Station, a U.S. post office station in Oklahoma City. Lloyd Wakely pled guilty to forcibly assaulting an Oklahoma City postal worker in 1983. All at once, uh, a loud commotion and a loud bang. Living in Oklahoma City, Marshall Hanna remembers the altercation from 33 years ago. Today, he's 94. And 
Of course, I, when I heard that, I ran up there, and there was a, a large fellow there that had come in to check on and the piece of express mail that he had mailed, they notified him it hadn't been delivered. And he picked up a new computer that we had, raised it up high in his hands and dropped it on the floor, the concrete floor. He didn't run or anything, and he walked to his car. Well, I followed him out. He didn't get in his vehicle. He reached in and got a gun, a pistol. And he come back to the back of the car where I was, and he stuck that pistol right up between my eyes within within three feet. And I thought he, I really thought he was going to shoot me. I later found out that he was a school teacher. After the trial was over, they uh, just slapped his wrist, and uh, you could uh, tell that guy was uh, very unstable. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about this before I bring everybody in. Let, let, me, let me add one more thing. Let me add one more, more thing. He had another arrest, and his other arrest was during road rage where he threatened the driver of the car he was mad at with a sword. Bob. Yeah. He has a pass. He okay. does. Yeah. I don't who know whether he's guilty or not. Who, who gives a rat's rear end? And here, yeah. here's the point that I'm going to make. And I said this on, on the first part of the show. They're going to smear this guy. Yes, about the sword, which I was going to bring up. Uh, another incident about road rage. And there's another incident that's been documented. Was he ever charged? Okay, so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. No matter how mad you get, you have to watch what you say. Okay, because that will come back and haunt you. She ended up being murdered. And look what he said. How many times have we said, I wish I can kill you. I wish you were dead. Ladies and gentlemen, that does come back. Because look at that old man, 94 years old. I can give two cents less about that old man's testimony. Here's why. He was in a post office in a safe facility. He left that confound and exited out. Now, do you think that he exited out that post office calmly? You know that there was some commotion going on. That's why he was never charged by pulling that pistol out and putting between that old man's eyes. Because there was an altercation that went down. He should have never followed him outside. Now, do we know what happened? No. But let me explain something to you, ladies and gentlemen. That will come back and haunt you because now you have all these years of incidents, road rage, the, you know, the sword, the post office, work, your comments. It does not look good. So what does he do? I want a polygraph. He takes all of his cards and throws them on the table and says, let's have at it. Yeah, polygraph is not admissible in a court of law. I understand that. But let me tell you something. Polygraph tests are pretty damn good. However, look at the totality of the case. You got one guy in Mexico we can't touch. All right, so he's off the docket. We got one guy that's died. He's gone. We got another one, and you know, it's got dementia. He's off true, the table. True with dementia. And now you got him the one that's 
with all the bad nonsense, the gun, the sword, and everything else, now he also has dementia. So who is liable? Who actually was involved in this murder? I, well, I don't think after 28 years, the case will ever be solved. I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> but what I'm saying, though, is, is that you have to be careful on how you act. Because that one time that you're out of line, that person is going to remember you and they're going to come forward just like that old man did. Because let me tell you something. If I lived in that community, I would crucify him. What did you do? How did you act? You know, because if we further watch, it's out there. Just put the name in on YouTube. Watch that news broadcast. She did an excellent job covering the story. However, you know, how they tainted the police department. Let me explain something to you. Because they talk about closure rate. Do you know your murder closure rate on your police department where you live? Is it 20%? Is it 50%? A lot of people don't know. Call them and ask them. They probably won't tell you. File a four-year request. You know, it just because you don't think they're moving doesn't mean things are not being done. It gets kind of nasty. But however that is being said, you know, you're responsible for your actions and that can come back and haunt you. Angela, Kat, Kelly, Joe, Chris. Now, watching that, does that add enclosure to some of the things that's on your books? Some of them, yeah. On the ground level, yes. <clears throat> so, and, and that, and so that's the sad thing, right? When we first looked at this case, and we talked in great detail about the counselor's actions and stuff. Is he a good guy? I'm not saying he is. You know, did he do it? He may have. But, but, but let's, let's suppose he's in, innocent, which we, of course, he's presumed innocent. But let's suppose he is. The police focused on him, and now they're distracted from looking. If that's true. But then you've got people bringing stuff up, you know, that was already solved way back then. It's just stirring up more. Um, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes when people's actions come up and repeat itself, sometimes that can lead to an actual yeah. suspect that committed the crime. I'm not saying it's not. No. But there's been cases to where people have been actually innocent and have been crucified because they were jack legs in the past because yeah. they were hotheads and it came back to haunt them. Yeah. And that and, and you know, and he did the best thing he could ever do. Whether I say he's innocent or not, I'll take a polygraph test. Because when he did that, it knocked off all the cards off the police department off the table. However, and we talked about this with Bob and on part one, you know that crime scene was nasty. Oh, it was awful. So where did all the clothes go to? Where's all the DNA? So, you know, where's the weapons? You know, I mean, who knows? Now, like you say, you got two guys, dementia, one guy's dead, one guy's in Mexico. That's four suspects right there. And it's hard to question the like with the dousing or anything with the dementia people now because they're not who they are. They're not who they used to be. So you can't zone in, you know, to find out the it's hard to get the information because they're not here anymore. Right. 
there's bits and pieces so to zone in and keep on track of that where you're hitting on the string or whatever you want to call it you can't stay there for long enough because they're in and out so the counselor right gas receipt pictures polygraph test he wasn't home he was on the trip with his wife that's probably the only thing that saved him well they you just know. knew they didn't have enough to do anything they well no once again, you don't have any physical evidence to tie anybody to the crime scene you know i don't know how they collected evidence i don't know if there was any evidence to collect i mean hell they could have been you know wearing a garbage bag with duct tape around everything and rubber gloves you know and did what they did i don't know because they didn't release you know anything about the crime scene besides how gruesome it was and how the body was staged well somebody told the reporter that the back door was unlocked and the front door was locked mm. yes I don't, I don't know i don't know if that's that's an actual fact well, because I mean, we, we heard the reporter say it, so I don't know whether it's a fact or not. That I don't know because uh, in the initial beginning of the news report, there was no forced entry. It didn't say if it was unlocked or locked, so I don't know because I didn't actually see the police reports because it's still an open murder investigation. It's sealed because they even said that a couple of times during the news broadcast because the family can't get information. So. <clears throat> Chris, what did you want to say? Yeah, one thing that came up in my sessions when I was speaking sort of with her, I'll, I'll put it that way, um, that she said that that, that that she seemed nice at first. He was a sweet talker. And and as she got to know him, she began to recognize patterns that, that, that kind of threw her off because she, she knew he had a little bit of a, a little, little bit of an anger disorder, but yet he would always apologize and then they get they continue on. But at the end, <clears throat> she realizes, realizes the mistake she made and that she says that um <clears throat> that she didn't know him to start with none of this could have happened but he he would he wouldn't he wouldn't listen to her he wanted his he, he made his demands towards her and i kept hearing something about you know when, when, during my session she was saying to take care of the children to watch over the children and so so yeah i'm gonna stop there oh sorry I, I didn't pull the stats in the area. So I, I, I don't know. So because this case was submitted in by a viewer. So was there any, I get that there'll be a DNA match somehow, but did they collect uh, stuff or? Hopefully they have everything from that crime scene. But I got to tell you what, the way that crime scene was described, 15 hours does not sound like enough time. So they didn't say what they collected. They didn't say what type of evidence or if there was any evidence. So I don't know because everything's hush eyes. So, but That's I wanted to one. show you all the part of that news report to help answer some of the questions. Yeah, because I don't think, like Bob said, we're going to get anywhere or any answers on it. Yes, it's 28 years old, and they had a complete crime scene with <clears throat> th things that were used in the perpetrating the crime, not for murder, but for stage props, the guns and other things. And uh, 
it's really hard to go at somebody like the with a knife as violently as she was attacked and not nick yourself. This person had gloves or something. I mean, this was really amazingly bad. Yeah, all I saw was blood everywhere. It was like a, a avalanche of blood. It's just like Yeah, so I don't know. I just wanted to pay play part of that. Hey, Rebecca, welcome. I just want to play part of that news broadcast to bring you all up to speed and some of the viewers that weren't able to catch it on part one to fill in some of the gaps. Because some of y'all hit on some of those points that the oh, yeah. news media oh, brought yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody collectively. So, wow. But usually, I'm usually, I'm not saying on every case, uh, but depends on what type of knife was used. Uh, most of the time, people end up cutting themselves. That's how they get DNA, especially mm -hmm. on stabbing, because their knife slides right when they from the thrust, so their hand moves and they and they get they cut themselves. What did that happen? I don't know because there's no knife recovered, so there's no DNA on that, right? So they can't test that, see if there's multiple blood on there. They didn't say there was other blood or anything found, uh, so I don't know. Everything's hush hush. So, but I just wanted to share that with you all to give you all a little bit of validation. So, yeah, and Rebecca brings up the two guns that were displayed with the body. That was a bold statement. So. Wow. You know, was it the counselor? Don't know. We have, we don't have any evidence to say it is. But physical, he sure did look good in the beginning, though, didn't he? And he looked guilty until you go looking for physical evidence and you don't have any. So. And he alibied out. But yeah, but uh, we got a, other some other cases that's been submitted. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you got some other cases that you have on the back burner, submit them in for Bob and I to look at and review. We'll take a look at them. And don't forget, you got a show at nine o'clock with Cat. I have no idea what this guy's going to eat on the show, so hopefully we don't. Oh get no! I have strict instructions. <laughs> but from coast to coast around the world, everybody, thank you. We'll catch you later on. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Christopher. Nice to have you. Blessings. Thanks, Grizzly.